there are some pretty strange and unusual laws out there. For instance, in the state of Alabama, it's illegal to play dominoes on Sunday. In the state of Iowa, it's a misdemeanor to label margarine as real butter. In the state of Maryland, it's a misdemeanor to act as a fortune teller. In the state of North Carolina, elephants can't be used to plow cotton fields. Other fields are perfectly fine, just not cotton. In the state of Tennessee, it's illegal to catch a fish with a lasso. Each of these laws sound a bit strange, but there's a time when they might have made a little more sense. Uh, for example, in some states, it's illegal to carry an ice cream cone in your back pocket. And we hear that and we think, well, that's very strange, that's very odd, but apparently, back in the day, having an ice cream cone in your back pocket was an effective way of luring a horse away without technically stealing it. So the horse would follow you just trying to get the ice cream. So there was a reason for that strange law at that time, but it doesn't really make sense to have that law now. Some laws are made for a season, for a time, and for a specific place or people. This is kind of the case for the people of Israel. In the book of Exodus, God offers the Israelites the Ten Commandments to help them order their lives as God's people. And through this experience, we see how God's majesty and power was present during the time with Moses and the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. On this third Sunday of Advent, we continue our sermon series, Emmanuel, God with us. And during the series, we're looking at the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and connecting these lyrics with the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. Today we are exploring the third verse which says, O Come, O Come, Great Lord of Might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times once gave the law in cloud and majesty and awe. Our Old Testament lesson comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verses 11 through 13. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in splendor, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your steadfast love you led the people whom you redeemed. You guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Our New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived the Son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your will. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Following the Exodus, as the Israelites were freed from slavery in Egypt, they followed Moses, who led them on a journey to Mount Sinai. For 11 months, the Israelites camped at the foot of Mount Sinai, as Moses would repeatedly climb the mountain in order to meet with God. It was there on the mountain peak where Moses first received the Ten Commandments. Moses summoned the Israelites to hear God's commandments on the morning of the third day at Mount Sinai. Booms of thunder, flashes of lightning, and a cloud of smoke filled up the sky. A trumpet resounded throughout the Israelites' camp, and it was so loud that all of the people trembled. Then the Lord descended on the mountain in fire, and the whole mountain was wrapped in smoke and shook violently. This scene is clearly depicted in that third verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, great Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height, in ancient times once gave the law, in cloud and majesty and all. This whole scene shows the majesty and the power and the awe of God. And, and this whole scene shows us how important it is to follow God's rules, His commands. So Moses carefully presents the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. God offers these rules from this mountain. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. These rules were given to God's people because God had freed the Israelites from slavery. And God wanted to provide some rules and guidelines for them and how they lived their lives. Giving the Ten Commandments was God's way of orienting them and teaching them what it means to live in communion with God and with each other. But in addition to this gift of the law, there was also the promise of God's ongoing presence with Israel. God is physically present with Moses on Mount Sinai. God speaks directly to Moses, guiding him, directing him as he leads God's people. And at different points throughout the story, God is present in a burning bush, in a pillar of cloud, at the tabernacle, and then later, God is present in the temple. As Alex Thompson writes, The gift of the law came alongside the presence of God with the people in the tabernacle, a presence that was majestic and awe-inspiring. Both elements worked to set Israel apart as the unique people of God called to be holy in the world. If the law served as Israel's constitution to order their lives toward one another and God, the tabernacle served as a continual reminder of God's presence with the people. Both reinforced their identity around the God they worshipped in thankfulness. God's law and God's presence are both given to the people of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. The only problem is we as human beings aren't always great at following rules. 
before Moses is, is even able to share God's law with the Israelites. They're already disobeying God through creating a golden calf that they worship as an idol. It doesn't take them long to forget all about that God that had led them out of slavery in Egypt. And we can be like that too, can't we? We fall short of living up to the standards that God has set for us. We don't always do a good job of being the people that God has called us to be. How often have we forgotten the commands that Jesus has given to us? Love your enemies. Forgive others as God has forgiven you. Turn the other cheek. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. We are Christians, but sometimes we want to hit the pause button for just a second so that we can handle something real quick, you know. And then we'll go back and we'll be Christians again. We want to be Christians when it's convenient. When we shrink away from God's laws, then we shrink away from God's presence. Throughout Israel's history, we see how they continually turned away from God's presence and broke God's commandments. When they were in exile, the Israelites felt far from God's presence, and they had forgotten God's law. And as they heard the words of the prophets foretelling of when God would come and make all things new, the only thing the Israelites could do in those moments was wait. They had to wait for God's glory to be revealed once again as it was at the foot of Mount Sinai. But one individual who is waiting for God's returning glory is a young woman named Mary. She's engaged to a man named Joseph, but she receives this unexpected message from the angel Gabriel who tells her that she has found favor with God and she will give birth to a child. But this is no ordinary child. The angel tells her, And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary reacts with a question, How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel explains, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God, for nothing will be impossible with God. In this verse, the angel tells her that the Most High will overshadow you. The word overshadow is the same word in Greek to describe uh, God's presence filled, that filled the tabernacle in Exodus 40, 35. Luke's gospel here is connecting God's presence at Mount Sinai with God's presence through Mary's child. In other words, God's presence no longer resides in a tabernacle or in a temple, but God's presence is now found in Mary's womb. Mary is chosen to be the God-bearer. Mary is selected to bear God into the world as the mother of Jesus. And in response, Mary says, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. It's much like the prophet Isaiah's response, Here I am, Lord, send me. And as we hear the story of Mary's call, 
we're invited to think about our own call as well. It's true that Mary's call is unique. Nobody before or since has ever been called to do what Mary did. But our, our encounters with God often follow that same pattern as Mary's. There's surprise, confusion, and maybe even fear. When God calls us to do something, it's usually something that we haven't planned on doing ourselves. And just like Mary, when we are called, we have a choice. We do have a say in the matter. Mary could have said no. We can say no. We can say, no thanks God, I'm not interested in going down that road. I'm not interested in forgiving that person. I'm not interested in changing my lifestyle. I'm, I'm happy with the way things are. But Mary, just like her, we can also say yes. And saying yes can make all the difference in the world. Saying yes can open up new possibilities of blessing and transformation. The good news of the Christmas story is that God uses people like Mary, and God uses people like you and me. God isn't looking for perfection. Rather, God is looking for ordinary. In fact, God loves taking something broken and redeeming it. God loves transforming us from something ordinary to something extraordinary. As United Methodist Bishop Ken Carter says, Does God flatter the proud? No, God scatters the proud. Does God seek an invitation from the throne? No, God brings those from thrones down and lifts up the lowly. Does God hang out at the finest restaurants? No, God throws a banquet for the poor. Does God choose a queen or a princess to be the mother of Jesus? No, God chooses Mary. Does God choose the wise, the noble, and the powerful in this world to accomplish the divine will? No, God chooses you and me. Does God love those who are lovable? Yes. And God loves the unlovable. God forgives the imperfect. God reaches out to the lost. I imagine that Mary looked like an ordinary person, like a regular pregnant woman on the outside. And as the child grows within her, she experienced, I think, the same growing pains that many pregnant women do. But even though she looks ordinary, we know that she is extraordinary. She is the mother of God, and in her womb, God becomes human, and Mary becomes a living tabernacle. Jesus once said, whoever loves me will keep my word. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. We serve a mighty God who came to us as a baby to live and dwell among us. And even though we may look ordinary on the outside, we are extraordinary because Christ lives in us. And we are a living tabernacle. God has made God's home with us. Amen.